Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. This week we are returning to Genesis after a one-week hiatus, returning to Genesis as we continue in the narrative lectionary, and we will hear portions of Joseph's story, including his amazing Technicolor dream coat, but more to the point, his experience of dreaming and of betrayal and the goodness that can come even from the most horrible of situations. We are gathered on the land of first peoples, each one of us. And here in Seattle, those of us who are here in Seattle, we are on the unceded lands of the Duwamish tribe, a people who are here before state and country, a people still alive and active in this city and making their own demands for justice and equity for their people. Our Duwamish friends have invited us into a simple act of solidarity with them, and that is to score potential Port of Seattle park names. And Amy is posting two links in the chat box. One outlines the tribe's preferred ordering of each park's name, and the second links to the ballot itself. And it only took me a few minutes to complete this small act of solidarity we've been invited into. It is a small way that we can live into our commitment to, in small and faltering ways, live in repaired relationship with the peoples of this land. Let us now sing together here in this place, with Robin and Mike, we will sing verses one, two, and four. Here in this place, new light is streaming. Now is the darkness vanished away. See in this space, our fears and our dreamings brought here to you in the light of this day. Call to us now, and we shall 
I begin with a statement of faith and intention. Whatever the coming months may bring, we know that the Holy Spirit will still be weaving us together as a community. We want to claim this time of physical distance as not simply something in, to endure, but an experience that we can share together. May it be so. And now I invite you to join me in our call to worship. And Amy will be leading the all section in your chat box. God be with you all. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to our God. Let us give thanks to God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Indeed, it is right to give our thanks and praise. We light our peace candle this week as we do each week to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all creation. And today we pray especially for the 28 people arrested on the streets of Louisville just last night and many more in the nights preceding and surely many more in the days to come. While the cops who shot Brianna Taylor dead roam free. We pray for all those and most notably black Americans and black women specifically who are sick and tired of having to fight day after day for basic dignity. Together, we long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace. We choose to live for a just peace. The peace of Christ be with you all and also with you. Well, this week, uh, like last week, <clears throat> I'll be talking a little bit more about our coins. My jar is a little bit heavier than it was last week because I added some pennies to the jar this week. I searched around my house and I found some pennies. Pastor Megan just talked about God's wish for a just peace for all of creation. And one of the ways we build a just peace is by uh, contributing our time and our interest and our money to places where there is need and to people who are working to create a just peace in their communities. And that is one of the things that our coins can do. So each of these pennies will add up. Each of these pennies adds up to something greater, especially when we start putting all of our coins together. So this week, just like last week, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about what one of the places where coins, our coins can be collected. Um, and this week I'll be talking about a place called Cambodia. Now, Cambodia is a country in Southeast Asia. There it is. That blue dot is where Cambodia is. So we're all the way over here. And if we were to fly to Cambodia, we would actually probably go, you can see my arrow go this way and then all the way around the world to Cambodia. Uh, 
And Lisa and Michael, who are people who are in our congregation, used to live in Cambodia. They would probably know more about these stories than I do. Um, so I'm wondering if you know that fish can be farmed. The first time that I heard of a fish farm, I imagined fish growing like plants in a garden. And I thought that was a very silly thing to think about. But fish can be farmed. And this person right here, who's throwing a big net, is a fish farmer. This person has a farm and you can see this pond right here. And I love the way he's throwing the net out over the water. He's using his whole body to do that. And when he brings the net back in, it will be full of fish. This person is a Cambodian person and his farm uh, raises fish. And his name, I need to look at it because I did figure it out. His name is, looking for my first slide. Oh, I can't see his, his name, but he and his wife have a fish farm. This is his wife. And this is his granddaughter. So when they when they catch all of the fish in their nets, uh, they they get dumped into a cistern, which is a big like a well kind of of water. And the fish get kept there until they can be taken to market. And I was imagining what it would feel like. The girl is holding the fish. What that would feel like to me? That would feel very slimy, maybe and slippery. So she's doing a good job of holding that fish. Uh, and these farmers can keep. The, the fish for themselves to eat, or like these fish here, they might go to market and to sell. Now these farmers work with other farmers all over Cambodia or in their communities, in their networks. And together Mennonite Central Committee will take some of our coins and some of other people's coins. And that money supports farmers so that they can get loans. And maybe they want to improve their, their fish pond, or maybe they want to buy feed for their fish. And then they can, all of the farmers can help each other do that. And the Mennonite Central Committee supports those cooperatives because those, those are people cooperating with each other. Oh, I just, I saw the name of that farmer. His name is Chun Sokun. And this is his, this is his wife and his granddaughter. Uh, this is Sao Samin. And this, the girl is, uh, uh, it is Srotan Chi. So those are, that is a family that is farming fish. I also wanted to show some pictures of chickens because I love chickens. So some of the other farmers are working together to raise chickens. And so this is a farmer who is uh, raising chicks. So these chicks aren't fully grown yet. And so she will sell these chicks to other farmers who will raise them for, uh, for food, for eggs, and they can sell them in markets and so these last two farmers have they have a farm not just with chickens but also with fish and they would use the chicken to fertilize their gardens and grow food like vegetables to eat and to sell and they might use the water from their fish pond to water their vegetables and all of these things work together and one of the things that they told Mennonite Central Committee workers is that before they would have to buy all of their uh, food from the market, 
And with the help of the cooperative and being able to get loans, now they've built their farm so that not only do they have chickens, but they have fish and they have vegetables. They grow almost everything they need to eat right on their own farm and they're able to share it and sell it to other people in their community. So that is one of the ways that our coins can contribute to, to people who are growing their own food and selling food to other people in their community. So I encourage you to keep collecting coins. You can arrange with, with Marsha here at church to bring them in and then they'll get all put together. And at the end of this, we can see how much we've put together, how many of our coins can count. Our next song is Let There Be Light, Lord God of Hosts. Uh, we have the treat of being able to hear Joanne play our church's piano uh, for this song. So I'm going to share the video, um, which means we will not be sharing the sheet music. So if you printed it out from Zoom Formation, you can use that. If you have a blue hymnal nearby, it is number 371-371. And Amy will be pasting the lyrics, or perhaps already has, in the chat box. So you can also sing along from those. We will be singing verses 1 and 3. scripture reading from Genesis 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and Israel had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Joseph said to them, Listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. After the brothers had left to attend their herds, Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. 
they saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered Joseph out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. Later, Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And the Ishmaelites took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father, and they said, This we have found. See now whether it is your son's robe or not. Their father Jacob recognized it and said, it is, this, it is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. Many years later, Jacob died. Pondering their father's death, Joseph's brother said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, we are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as God is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, Joseph reassured them speaking kindly to them. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Uh, the narrative lectionary, as is often the case when we get to stories in the Old Testament, uh, is really trying to do a lot in this one story. There's a lot of stories here. So I will take a little bit of the story and we'll see what we can do with that. When I was Naomi's age uh, in 1991, the summer of 1991, 
the revival of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat was at the height of its popularity in Britain. Um, and the song Any Dream Will Do, uh, sort of the big song from that musical, was at the very top of the British pop charts. And at that time, I was a foreign teenager living in the Middle East. There was very little entertainment that I had access, that I had access to, except for um, the one English language radio station and the Tiger Beat Life magazine that I got at the, um, at the little kiosk at the International Hotel near our, near our home. And so this song, this musical, any like British entertainment, that's what I had access to. And let me tell you, this song and its um, beautiful Australian pop idol singer, Jason Donovan, were very familiar to me. Um, even now I can tell you his birthday is June 1st, Jason Donovan. Um, but that uh, dreamy, blonde Australian and the whole musical really has very little to do with the actual story of Joseph from the Bible. Um, definitely didn't sound anything like the story that I had grown up with of Joseph. Um, but, you know, Jason Donovan playing that part. Really no weirder than uh, Donnie Osmond playing the same part. But Jason Donovan, of course, at that time especially, I thought, so dreamy. Uh, and this is a story about dreams. It is a story about dreams and how God connects to humanity through dreams and how one particular dreamer has a connection with the divine through his own dreams and through other people's dreams. And this is where it all begins. Uh, I thought Megan did quite a nice job of uh, enacting Joseph's sort of like, uh, na, 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 kind of like, listen to this dream I had, you guys. <laughs> Talking to his brothers like such a, such a younger kid move to open his big mouth and blab about this dream where he wasn't the youngest and the weakest anymore. He was the powerful one, the big boss in his dreams and all of his brothers are bowing down to him. So that's where it begins. But I'm actually gonna skip all the way to the end of the story. The end of the story we encounter, not the little teenager, teenaged uh, whiny Joseph, but Joseph, who is a powerful ruler. Joseph, who in many ways, his dream has come to pass. He, and yet he, here he is as a powerful ruler is welcoming. He's merciful. He's forgiving. Uh, he's benevolent. He's Joseph the mighty. And he says to his brothers who have come to him seeking mercy and hoping for Joseph to provide for them. He speaks to them with equanimity. He says, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as God is doing today. Considering that his brothers were probably very justified in expecting not forgiveness, but vengeance, this is quite an expansive view on Joseph's part. He's, he's really quite full of grace for his family. And it's tempting when you, when you know this story, as many of us do. I mean, certainly I grew up reading this story in children's Bible story books. Some of us, so some of us know this story that way or through uh, popular Broadway musicals. 
it's it's tempting when you know the story and you're at the end of the story and it is sort of a happily ever after moment it's easy to gloss over those beginning parts because we know that it ends well it's easy to forget the dysfunctional family dynamics and how traumatic the experiences of, of joseph were and how desperate the circumstances of his family and of, of his community were at that time uh, even with the considerable gaps of jonathan as he read it and as our pastors enacted it we skipped many many years in that story we, we skipped a considerable amount and yet even in the reading we get a clear picture but all was not well in the jacob and joseph family we, we heard the name israel so that's the name that jacob got from god but all was not well in that family there was a lot of dysfunction happening uh, Jacob was playing favorites with this, his younger son. Uh, the, the brothers already hated, despised, we heard despised their youngest son, who was not just the younger son, but like the son from a second wife. And so really the, the son that was not to be, you know, like Reuben, the older son, he was the one who was supposed to be getting all of the Sort of the inheritance, the, the one being groomed for leadership. Um, and this was a time when in history, when uh, clothing mattered. So this, this piece of this garment that, that Joseph received, this was a considerable gift. It was like, I mean, I think of it as like the red carpet worthy piece of clothing. This is like a diva piece of clothing that Joseph had, impractical working in the fields, impractical for any kind of being a part of the cooperative work of that of the family as as they did their work. And uh, all of this is happening. And so when Joseph says his dream, when he tells his brothers his dream, kind of a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, and yet as annoying as that was, no excuse for the way his brothers responded, which is essentially to traffic him. I mean, first they had they were plotting to kill him. But then they decide out of their own greed, well, we'll get some money from him. We'll traffic him to foreigners. And so they sell him into enslavement. Where he's taken to Egypt, he's imprisoned. I can't imagine that was very comfortable. So there is trauma layered on trauma and the family is experiencing famine and hunger. And all of these things are awful. They're awful. Awful experiences of trauma and terror. And that it was that bad. It was that bad. The idea of God working through those circumstances. So that come to the end of the story, Joseph can say, God was working through these circumstances for goodness. It is even more astonishing. For Joseph, even though it's a dream that sparks his brother's anger, it is also his dreams that continue to connect him to God and to God's plan, or uh, plan is not the right word, to God's favor for him and for his community. When his brothers begin their plot, they say to each other, here comes this dreamer. Let us kill him and throw him into the pit, and we will see what becomes of this dreamer. It is uh, 
this line, um, in this line, I hear like sort of a mustache twisting uh, on the part of those those brothers. Like that's kind of what I imagine this like very villainous kind of line. Um, but it is also this verse that is inscribed on the Lorraine Motel. And if you have heard of, uh, if you're if you're wondering where have I heard of that hotel, that is the hotel where the Lorraine Motel is where. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and killed. This pillar of civil rights advocacy, prophet to all people, was memorialized by his community by those words. Come now, let us kill him, and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. It is debatable whether the fulfillment of Dr. King's words have come to pass. And yet, uh, Joseph's words from the end of that story do have some resonance. Even though you intended to do harm from me, God has intended good. In order to preserve a numerous people as God is doing today, the fullness of Dr. King's dreams may not have fully been realized. However, Dr. King's legacy has had lasting and impactful significance for this nation. And it has preserved a people. God has preserved a people. The way that phrase is turned to preserve a people evokes, for me at least, the God that we heard of when Jarrell Williams preached to us this summer, the God of survival, the God of accompaniment, the God of compassion and preservation, the God who reached out to Hagar, a God who has accompanied Joseph and his brothers through terror, through trauma. The God who has been there to preserve life and walks with the people through survival and then beyond. This year, this 2020, there are no end of memes about how traumatic and terrible this year is. This has been a year of increased attention to police violence against black bodies, the gaze of the nation and the whole world on the way injustice is being how injustice is being perpetrated against those same bodies. And of course, fire and smoke and COVID and suffering and death and inequity that that has brought. The death of icons of justice and civil rights this year. And has anyone forgot that, forgotten that murder hornets were also this year? 2020. Awful, terrible, terrible. Um, some of you might have already seen or heard this joke that Megan uh, uh, alerted me to that she had heard from Joanna Herriter and which they found, which she found on Reddit. God says to Gabriel, so have you finished setting up future events for the 2020s? And Gabriel replies, yes, God, I have, wait. Did you say the 2020s, plural? as in the decade? And God says, yeah, of course, what else? I thought you meant 2020, the year. God says, you put a decade worth of history into one year? Gabriel says, yes. And God responds with profanity that I will not say. Uh, and uh, God, yeah, profanity is 
absolutely appropriate when we are considering how awful this year has been. I am sure that profane words have escaped almost all of our mouths at some point during the horridness of this year. This year is stretching us down. It is out. It is wearing us thin. Can we say that God wants it this way? There are some who might say that this is all a part of God's plan. Who might quote from Romans 8.28 with the interpretation that this is God's plan. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are calling us according to God's purpose. And Joseph's statement, I think many might read in that same light, saying that God will, God's doing this all. God's plan is for all of this to happen so that something good can come of it. And I absolutely firmly reject that. I reject the premise of the joke that I just told. God has not laid out a plan, not for this decade, not for this year, for terror. God has not laid out a plan for trauma for God's people. God, in fact, is a dreamer, too. And not just any dream, the way Jason Donovan sang in 1991. Not any dream will do. God's dream will do. And Desmond Tutu has put it so succinctly when he says that God's dream is that you and I and all of us will realize that we are family and that we are made for togetherness and goodness and for compassion. God is heartbroken by this year. God is heartbroken by all of our experiences of terror and trauma. And like Joseph, God is inviting us back in, always inviting us back into relationship. God is weeping as Joseph did when he had the opportunity to be back in relationship with his brothers. God is trying to work some good out of this terror, out of this experience. God is trying to connect with us through dreams and through dreamers, like Dr. King was in his era. Today, I sometimes hear Black activists mourn that it takes Black pain and Black suffering to provoke outrage and to make change. It shouldn't take the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd for people to demand justice and equity. My prayer is that we begin to hear the dreams before they turn to terror. That we can listen to dreamers like in our city, Nikita Oliver, like Sonia Renee Taylor or Adrian Murray Brown or so many others. Those are just the ones that came to me as I was writing this paragraph. That we can listen to the dreams of Black visionaries now and be inspired. That we can listen to the dreams of um, of people imagining a world of climate justice for all creation now. That we can listen to visionaries and be inspired by what is possible instead of by the suffering and stories of terror. May we see what will become of those dreams. That is God's dream now. Amen. And may it be so.
We're going to sing a song that's from Taizai, and it's the words of Psalm 27, verse 13. We'll sing through four times, and you can join me as you learn the song. I am sure I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yes, I shall see the goodness of our God. Hold firm, trust in the Lord. I am sure I shall see the goodness of the continue in a spirit of prayer. I invite you, if you have prayers that you are holding, that you desire to share with community, to use the chat box. We will include those. Hidden God, in mystery and silence, you are present in our lives, bringing new life out of death, hope out of despair. We thank you that you do not leave us alone, but labor to make us whole. Help us to perceive your unseen hand and the unfolding of our lives and to attend to the gentle guidance of your spirit, that we may know the joy of your love and rest in your peace. Hear now the prayers of your people gathered here in your name. We pray with Christian peacemaker teams for the thousands of migrants on the island of Lesbos in need of basic humanitarian aid, many of whom lost important immigration paperwork in the fires in Moria camp and continue to be held in limbo by violent immigration policies. We pray for the 10,000 crammed together in that camp that they may find the strength to resist the repressive measures of the Greek state and to endure the harsh winter around the corner. We pray for, with all those who are hitting walls, especially acute in the six to nine month window following the impact of the first major outbreak of this pandemic disaster, and for all who are struggling for mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and relational well-being. 
We pray for our neighbors on the streets with even fewer places than normal where they can find reprieve from the rain and cold, especially as the seasons turn. God have mercy. We lament yet again another grand jury failing to hold police officers who kill accountable. And we especially remember in our prayers the family and friends of Brianna Taylor, for whom this failure is personal and especially painful. We also hold in our hearts all black women. May each one know deep in her being that her life is precious, cherished, and worthy. We pray for Melanie and Kevin and Lake City Partners recovering from some very challenging community meetings with neighbors of the new shelter in Shoreline. May a way of peace and relationship open before them. May neighbors become friends and collaborators. We pray for Kent Unra, who is tapering away from his work as a research scientist in the School of Medicine at the University of Washington. He is in acute need to spend time outdoors and seeks COVID-safe accompaniment. We offer an open prayer of discernment to identify people who want to go car camping or share short, manageable backcountry camping outings, leaving Thursdays at 1.30 and returning Friday, rain or shine. We celebrate Kent's many vocational accomplishments over many years, and we give thanks for community and companions with whom to share life. We remember our friend and brother, Bob Gerwig, who died one year ago today. May he rest in peace and power. And we pray for those in our church community who are gathering each week to explore Anabaptism and embracing a season of discernment about receiving baptism. May they know God's presence and our support with them. Turning now to the chat. Prayers with the loggerways for the young man, Alex Fitzgerald, who died while hiking down from Camp Muir on Mount Rainier due to weather conditions on the mountain. Prayers for family and friends of him. Hidden God, we thank you that you do not leave us alone but labor to make us whole. May we indeed know the joy of your love and rest in your peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And I didn't get it in time for the chat box, but prayers for Emily and Chase heading into this week of giving birth to Thumper on Saturday. We are holding you in our hearts and in our prayers this week, and we're really, really excited to meet your little one. Amen. We are grateful for all the gifts that each one of you offer to our congregation. Gifts of money and gifts of time and energy and expertise and we're grateful for the means to collect our monetary offerings digitally. Today, I want to especially lift up all of those of you who have given of your time to the Oaks shelter, the new shelter showing up to help clean it up, 
and ready it for folks uh, who really need a place to get off the streets, um, especially as Jonathan said in the prayers with fewer and fewer public spaces open to folks like libraries and other spots where folks living on the streets can get reprieve, the shelter is even more important. So for the gifts of your time and for the money that we together steward um, that have contributed to this, we give thanks. Our closing song is My Life Flows On. It's in your blue hymnals number 580. And we welcome the Neufelds to sing this with us. My life flows on in endless song of the invitation. I catch the sweet note far off him that hails a new creation. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear that music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? What through my joys and comforts die, the Lord my Savior liveth. What though the darkness gather round, songs in the night he giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? The peace of Christ makes fresh my heart, a fountain never springing. All things are mine since I am his, how can I keep from singing? No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Now, friends, receive this benediction. Through trauma, terror, turmoil, tumult, and troubles of all kinds, may God, the heartbroken dreamer, go with you, companioning you through each day. Go from this worship assured that you are not alone, as we all seek to work some good in this world. May you keep singing. Amen.